Hello and welcome to the E5 Fitness Podcast, episode 16. Um, today I've got Ruth McIntyre on, who is a menopause specialist. Um, and we had about 45 minutes chat before we even recorded this, just about life. Um, so we go through everything you need to know about menopause, how it might affect you, what to look for in terms of signs and symptoms, how you can adjust your training and nutrition for it, and what kind of supplements you also want to be doing. And all the other aspects that sort of come with it because it is like a huge lifestyle change for a lot of women and a lot of people don't really know how to deal with it and what to be expecting and, and sort of the, the expectations and, and reality following something as massive a change as this actually is. Um, I work with quite a lot of menopausal females and Ruth kind of specialises solely in that as well, which is it's brilliant to see her aspect of it. So I um, hope you really enjoy it. Do give me a like, follow yada 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 and if you feel like someone could benefit from this do send it to them cheers guys so hello ruth how are you i'm good thank you thank you for having me yeah you're welcome um so i'm going to let you introduce yourself because i probably won't do you much as much justice as you can thank you well i'm ruth mcintyre i'm a personal trainer i work mainly online but I have chosen to specialise in menopause. So I've done some extra training in this area because I felt that I was working with women who were going through menopause and they were perhaps being slightly misunderstood. And I wanted to help them get to where they wanted to be. So that is why I kind of niched down that way. Um, yeah. So what made you what made you sort of go down that route? What was the sort of catalytic moment? So there are a couple of things. So firstly, my own, you know, I'm 40 now, um, so it's coming and all women go through menopause. It will be coming. Um, so for selfishly, I wanted to understand what I'm going to be going through. But also I had women going through menopause who I was trying to help and I didn't understand as well as I felt I should. So these women were coming to me with crippling anxiety. They were aching when they've never really had aches and pains before. They were tired all the time and I was giving them exercise to do and telling them to track their calories and they were struggling. And this is where I had to kind of switch it a little bit around so that we could help them in any way to take the step forward towards their goals. And so really it was to serve the clients I had that I did the extra training. And then I love it because when these women realize that they're capable of so much more, it's so, so good to see. Yeah, it's quite empowering, isn't it? When you, yeah, absolutely. When you get someone, it's sort of a light bulb moment when they finally realise that, oh, I can do this. Yeah, and actually, with menopausal women, and I see this in any diagnosis, right? And I and I say this, you, sometimes you get given a diagnosis and you're like, that is who I am now. Um, this is where I am and this is what I am. And it actually, it can be then create self-limiting beliefs. So you can think, well, I can't do that because I'm this. And I see that with menopausal women. They feel so anxious. They feel so kind of out of touch with their body that they suddenly start thinking that they can't achieve their goals. This is me now. And actually it isn't in the same as everything else. And I can see you smiling because you know what I'm relating this to. But with everything, it might just be a workaround, a different route to get to where you want to be. Yeah, just be careful that you tell people that I smell because a lot of people don't think I do. Um, he smiled <laughs> so obviously you've you've said there that like a lot of females will come into close to menopause or get to that menopausal age so obviously is the is there a specific age that, that women can expect these changes to start happening so for perimenopause the average age is 45 but I've had women in their 30s come to me who are perimenopausal and I've had women who have come to me in their mid to late 40s that aren't so it is an average age of 45 to start experiencing those perimenopause symptoms unfortunately the blood tests aren't like totally accurate so it's not like you can just go in and go right I'm perimenopausal because my blood show that my estrogen is low because they fluctuate so much right so estrogen with menopause I'm sure you know but it goes um it goes up and that's partly why you're getting those massive changes in um your symptoms is because your hormones are changing um so if you're getting symptoms such as anxiety um 
uh, well, depression can be one of them as well. Weight gain is another. Um, I'm trying to go through hot flashes, night sweats, all of those typical ones. Itchy skin is another one. It's likely that there is something going on. And if you're in your 40s, it's likely it could be start perimenopause. Even late 30s, it can be as well. Okay, so like, I didn't know itchy skin was one. Yeah, itch, skin changes is one. It's not one of the super common one, but itchy skin um, is something that people experience during this time. And obviously you said that like the estrogen levels in bloods is probably the um, how women might be diagnosed through, through a doctor's perspective. Um, obviously given... Well, no... Oh, come on, come on. No, no, it's it's if they go to the doctors and have blood tests for menopause, um, they're not doing it now, which has been the only one that perhaps could be an indicator is your FSH, which is um it it goes really, really, really high if you're postmenopausal. Um, and so you see it getting higher over time. And if you're within the normal range, it normally means you're still producing eggs, if that makes sense. So your ovaries are still working. Weirdly, apparently, they've now stopped doing this on the NHS. Um, so they used to do it. I don't really understand. Oh, well, I do understand why it's probably an expensive test. But um, yeah, apparently they've stopped doing it. But that's the only one, really, that is a true indicator. Estrogen changes so much daily or hourly that there's just no point, really. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like, if this test isn't like applicable, what what signs and symptoms apart from sort of, sort of the more physical changes in terms of the itchy yeah. skin and things like that, what what would you say if a, if a woman came to you who's sort of perimenopausal age and she's telling you certain things, what would those certain things that may be tipping you off into this woman's going through perimenopause? Well, firstly, asking about her cycle, I think is really important. We must ask how regular women's cycle are anyway um it it can be a change in period some people that are going through perimenopause might suddenly experience a heavier period um or lighter period or less regular or more regular so it, it can become it can be changes to your cycle can happen during this time um the other thing that if women come to me and they say i i don't know what's wrong with me i'm really struggling to find motivation i'm feeling really anxious that's for me the most common one I see um I'm getting aches and pains in my joints and so on I would tell them to go to the doctors because the doctor is the one that will um give them the prescription if they want to go on the HRT route and then I would help with the other areas that can help them feel better during this time if that makes sense so I mean there's such a big list but basically if you feel like you're changing and you're in your uh 40s it's likely it's um, perimenopause, but always go and just go to the doctors because they'll go through the symptoms. And yeah, I think um, our 45 minute discussion before we even started this call, I think it going on your own feeling and your own vibe is probably the best way. Like, yeah, absolutely. You could decide if you're the one, if you're changing and you're seeing those changes in very, very small amounts. Yeah, and no, nobody knows you better than you do. And also no one's going to fight your corner better than you can. So you need to make sure you're your own, you know, advocate for yourself, that you're there, you're the voice that can help you. If you stay quiet and suffer, then nobody's going to come to you and ask ask if they can help. You need to speak for yourself and speak up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm making, making some content. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Obviously, you mentioned HRT there, so that's hormone replacement therapy. Yes. What's what are your views on it? Is it something that you, you um, feel is applicable? Is it something that you you feel has a benefit or a negative? No, I definitely think it's got a benefit to it. I do think there are certain situations where people either choose not to or can't. So if they've had an estrogen fed kind of cancer in the past then they'll be told not to take it so not everyone's got the option to take HRT and it's definitely got a place but it's not the answer to everything like any medication at all it's just a a a start so it will help with your imbalance of hormones but there will be lifestyle changes you need to make that will help you age even better if that makes sense 
So yeah, it's definitely a tool. There's the three sex hormones that they look at, right? There's testosterone, progesterone, and then there's estrogen. So estrogen is the one that um, people hear about most with women. Progesterone is the one that they all tend to get. So unless you've had a sur surgical menopause, you'll get given both progesterone and estrogen. If you've gone straight into menopause through surgery, often you'll only get the estrogen. But testosterone is also a female sex hormone. And I know there's been lots around this recently about people feeling like they're struggling to get that, even though they feel that they need it. And I think that a lot of people will probably be surprised to find that both males and females have all three of those hormones. Yeah, in a much lesser amount, right? So men have a lot more testosterone, but testosterone is a feel-good hormone. So it's, <laughs> he's nodding, uh, it is a feel-good hormone. So um, if you were going to the doctors and saying, I think I might need some testosterone, the trigger for them is definitely saying you've got low libido. And I've had so many clients as, and a lot of my clients will say, well, of course I have. I'm really anxious and tired and all of these things. But that's the trigger. And it's it's kind of because I think it's a sign that you are low of mood. And, you know, maybe it is testosterone. And that one they could measure. If they did a blood test and your testosterone is really low, maybe that could indicate that that's what you needed. But, <sighs> Sorry. Bless you. Um, um, but... Progesterone is also a feel-good hormone as well. That's one that kind of works with, you produce, I'll try and get this right, you would produce it alongside cortisol pre-menopause. So it kind of balanced out the effect of cortisol. So when you're producing less cortisol, sorry, less progesterone, but you're still producing that stress hormone cortisol, you, this is another reason why you're not coping with stress so well during menopause. So it's... So that obviously you got you, your ability to counteract Manage. the stress is just not there yeah and um your body sees this is lovely it's body going against us but your body sees the fluctuating levels of estrogen as a stressor as well so you're more likely to <laughs> your stress so th these changes are, are kind of triggering that cortisol that stress response so if you are suddenly feeling anxious and stressed and you know right if i think everyone knows what feels normal for them like we said before and you will notice the changes, I think. It's not, you know, if you're getting symptoms, some people manage to go through menopause without even noticing any changes. There are changes, but they don't notice them. Um, yeah. Okay. And like obviously that's sort of the background of what menopause is. So if we sort of delve into sort of how we, how how you as as the specialist that you are, sort of deal with them, like is there any any metabolic changes from all those hormonal changes that kind of affect how what calories you might might apply to someone? So in theory, yes, there are changes to your metabolic rate. If you were to do nothing, if you were just to take the HRT and just sit still or just do whatever, you know, go through um, life not changing much. Because mainly with calorie-wise, it's mainly going to be to do with that loss of muscle mass so sarcopenia they call this it's age-related kind of loss of muscle mass which you get as women get it more than men during this stage of life and um, that is going to change your metabolism but and <laughs> um, there's some caveats here so say you you get that and you accept that you're having that so you lower your calories down unfortunately if you lower your calories down that's probably too far that's going to make it worse right the the loss of the muscle mass is going to make it worse so I don't tend to uh, adjust people's calories too much uh, against where they would be anyway. I would be looking at what they're eating and what they're doing. So this is where the nutrition, the exercise comes in, because we want to slow the aging process so that they are not getting that loss of muscle mass. So we want to keep the muscle. So we're going to add in the exercise and the, the strength training here so that they're, they're keeping that muscle, which is going to help their metabolism not kind of dip down too much but we're also going to be looking at what they're eating because they're going to be needing to up their protein levels here as well more than they would pre-menopause if that makes sense and is there a, a is there a, a guideline to sort of the protein content that they're doing for obviously it's got... not actually that different to an active person anyway like 1.6 grams 
Uh, yeah, obviously, if, if people yeah. weight training, we, we aim for 1.6 to 2.2. Yeah, same. What if they're already weight training and then going to the menopause? If they're already weight training, they're already doing, it doesn't, it's not really going to change anything. The the graph and it, that you see when people are strength training and not, it, it the level of muscle mass like decreases massively as you hit menopause. But with the people that are strength training anyway, it kind of, it does dip a bit, but nothing too great. So I would kind of say to those people, you're doing all the right things, keep doing what you're doing. They might notice that it's harder to lose weight. And it's tricky because, like I said, they go down to a 1200 calorie a day diet as a woman. And then if they're, you know, if that's, if they're not really sure, (laughs) um, they're probably going to find that they'll lose more muscle mass. So they're not necessarily going to be helping that process massively either. Um. And obviously, obviously you've said strength training. Is there a is there any specific ways or kind of program based considerations that you'd put someone on for when the, when the strength training in terms of like rest and recovery, uh, rep ranges, or anything like that? So I have a bit of a. Uh, I was going to say it's not really a bugbear, but I see a lot of people um, saying about you have to lift heavy. Um, lifting heavy is great. Um, lifting heavy is great if you've got the option to, but you don't have to. So with menopausal women and with anybody really, we're looking to work your muscles to fatigue. Um, and the rep ranges can vary. So a lot of the women I train don't want to go to the gym or they can't go to the gym. So they're using resistance bands and lighter weights. So we slow the movements down and it would be the same as what you would be doing anyone but you do the things we need to take into consideration more with women at this age is their their risk of injury if they've had that um change in collagen levels and so on they might have problems with tendons and ligaments and they might suddenly be experiencing joint aches and pains for the first time so there's considerations to be made depending on where they are right now and if they're starting but no more or less exercise really is the same during menopause as it is in any other stage of life. The only thing that you need to take into consideration are the barriers. So a woman's sleep might have changed. So she might be really tired and more risk of injury there. Um, she might be um, having hot flushes and hot sweats. So again, you're going to be looking to adapt that. But the exercise itself is going to be the same depending on where that woman is at that time. Okay, and, and if we talk about the hot the hot flushes, <clears throat> is there anything that, that you put into place that can help reduce that? Uh, well, so the HRT is going to be the one that would help that the most because that is that change in the hormones. There's the obvious ones like working out in a cooler space <laughs> and wearing less layers and so on that would help. Um, at it can massively affect women's sleep. So that's a big one. I will quite often suggest to those women that there is the tip of putting an ice block under your pillow, sounds weird, and then through the night just turning your pillow so you've got the cold side on your head. Those types of things can be useful. There are some supplements that you can take that are meant to help with um, hot flashes. So things like, let me just, I've got it here. Um, yeah, so there's the, sorry, I'm just trying to get the right one. So for people that do not watch this, Ruth is pretty much inside the screen right now. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm reading. Ruth, Ruth <laughs> uh, yeah, is 40 it is. and needs glasses. Yeah, I, I really should. I'm 40, yeah, I'm getting very old. No. Um, she doesn't look 40, thistle, just an FYI, but she can't see, so yeah, I can't see it's there. Um, milk thistle is the one that's meant to help with hot flashes. Um, there are quite a few supplements that you can take that might well help during the stage of life, but they're not going to take away the fact that you're, in a sense, hormone deficient. If we look at it like that, if, you're, if your hormones Join are club. coming down... Pardon? Join the club. Yeah, exactly. Hormone, yeah, exactly. And it's the thing is, if people are hormone deficient, they often will get hormones to bring it back up. So these things aren't necessarily going to make a difference, 
to those hormone levels with an exception i don't know if um you've heard of ashwagandha that's meant to have quite a good effect on testosterone um levels and it's good for anxiety i i take it myself and have found it really really good paul's nodding like really his bobble on his hat so paul you've obviously taken or know about ashwagandha yeah. so i actually i actually had a coach he was at level up as well i had a coach um will um he was the first person that recommended ashwagandha for me I don't think I've ever said the same twice. But I do recommend it to clients who do suffer with anxiety and sleep. Yeah. Um, but for sleep sleep wise, so I I focus quite a lot of my nutrition on on sleep. And it's coming away from menopause, obviously, things like lavender, like I've seen like a huge in, increase in 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 my sleep from using lavender mist, MS. Yeah, do you know, I I was staying with a girl recently and she sprayed some on my pillow and things like that just are relaxing you, right? So you're relaxing down to sleep. I find things like um, magnesium spray on the bottom of my feet. I'll spray magnesium spray. Sounds really weird, right? But it gets absorbed quicker because there's less work to go through on your feet. That's why that is. But I also suffer from restless legs. And this is quite common. I Like I said, this I get quite a few women who are menopausal who are getting... Restless legs. So I do wonder if it's there's a bit of a link to hormones. Don't ask me to quote the science on that. But I mean, I get restless legs with my ADHD, and so that could be. Try it. Try magnesium spray on the bottom of your feet because I it it kind of, it's it makes sense because it's helping you relax down, right? So spray it on the bottom of your feet. Try it. I use the lavender one. So there's a sleep one. It's got uh, lavender and magnesium in it and I find that that really helps me um get to sleep and the other one that I was recommended is taking some tart cherry juice at bedtime to sleep yeah it's meant to help you produce the melatonin I think um, or just take melatonin but that one long time has got some um and it's and you can't get it over the counter in England but yeah no yeah so maybe cherry juice is going to be easier um, so yeah, for menopause, I've kind of shot off on a thing, but I've got certain supplements that I would recommend. Um, I was taking a magnesium supplement and I stopped because I was like, I don't know if it's making a difference. And I noticed my sleep changed. So as a my own little scientific experiment, I definitely noticed that it was better. The other thing that you really, really do have to take in menopause, and it's the one thing I'd say you you have to take, is vitamin D during particularly, you know, during the winter months. I'm not talking like all year if you're getting enough of sunshine because you're lowering, you're lowering it of estrogen. There's an enzyme that you produce that helps you absorb, absorb vitamin D and your lower estrogen makes that not happen harder so much. So you're, you're more like, pardon? Harder to absorb. Harder to absorb. So yeah. you're more likely to be deficient in vitamin d if you're menopausal and you'll know this paul but your symptoms of vitamin d and the symptoms of menopause actually are quite similar so you're you'll be tired you'll be perhaps more anxious and have changes in mood you um what else is there vitamin d um you'll feel weak as well you can feel yeah these things and yeah and vitamin d is obviously linked to immunity and fatigue and just feeling overall shit yes exactly and most people in the uk during the winter months are probably a bit vitamin d deficient if they're not taking it as a supplement i would say most people are regardless of month yeah. to be fair yeah from the research yeah, to be fair, it's april here now and it's still pretty it's yeah it's april everywhere yeah, I know, but it's not this everywhere, is it? I um, um I lived in the sunshine. Yet. I lived in the sunshine for one year, and I have to. I, you know, if I could prescribe it to everyone, I would. But it's sunny all year round, so close to the equator, and the I just felt healthier, better because of just getting that a that morning sunlight, which is so important for you anyway to get that kind of hit, and also probably because I had decent levels of vitamin D all year round. Yes. It's amazing how sort of the Mediterranean sort of 
border, that kind of line, that blue zone that's there where they've, they've got the most centurions. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's amazing that they live that long when they've got all that sun and all that, all those facts. Exactly. Exactly. I know. And I, I feel like, um, maybe you shouldn't experience it because then you'll be like, Oh, I need to, I need to be somewhere sunnier and it's not always able to do that. But, um, yeah, for me, I definitely noticed that living in sunshine, getting enough vitamin D made a difference. So I would definitely tell all of your menopausal women and all of your clients, as I'm sure you do, that vitamin D is an essential one that we should take. Yes. Yeah. Um, also think that collagen isn't a bad supplement to take. Um, your, I haven't spoken about this yet, but during menopause, you have problem the not only the loss of muscle mass, but you can your bone density reduces as well. You can start to get osteoporosis during menopause, whereas you might not have had it before. Again, another link to why strength training is going to be beneficial during this time. Um, the collagen's great because it's good for those um, the tissues and ligaments and tendons and so on. So a lot of women at this stage might get things like plantar fasciitis and so on. And you do kind of wonder if it's that lack of collagen. Maybe it could be, I mean, it could be, or it could be a weakness up further up the chain, but regardless, then they're getting it at this stage. So um, yeah. um, anyway, so is that, obviously, yeah. Obviously you men mentioned osteoporosis and a decreased bone mineral density. Yeah. Why is that? This one is to do with the lack of estrogen, um, the, the reduction of estrogen. Um, so it's really hard with the bone density changing again you can accept it i'm menopausal so my bone density is changing or you can try and do something to slow that down and that is something that strength training does so we're talking about this happening to the average person but it doesn't need to happen as quickly or uh, as it does so it is the reduction in oestrogen. Most of it is a reduction in oestrogen, I have to be honest. If you ask me why anything happens in menopause, it, it mainly is going to be the reduction of oestrogen that it's there. Um, it, it isn't something that um, kind of gets better, um, but you can strength train and you can take the HRT and the HRT will help with that because obviously you're keeping the oestrogen levels higher. So. And obviously strength training increases bone density. And would you yeah. recommend increasing calcium intake as well to obviously help? Yes, yeah. Anything, yes, absolutely. You need to be getting enough calcium to help with the um, help your bones, keep them healthy. We kind of all need that. But uh, the collagen might well help with the your skin, nails, and things like that that you might notice a change in as well. Um, the other thing that I want to put as a word of word of warning for bone mineral density is you don't always know it's changing so you might think that you're symptom free I, I don't want to scare people but I have heard horror stories about people that have no change no physical or outwardly changing nobody's noticed they've not felt any changes and then they've fallen over and they've really badly broken bones or um you know quite severe um because their bone mineral density is super low and you don't always know. The so it is something. biggest killer of over 65s in the country is falls. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, and I'm going back to training, there's something that is always an alarm bell with me with an older person is if they can't get up off the floor, they're not strong enough to get up off the floor. That's where they stay. So fall prevention and also being strong enough to get there is something that you do need to start thinking about sooner than you think. So staying strong throughout your life is going to help you when you're older. And really, you you don't just want to live a long life. Somebody said this at the course at the weekend. You don't just want to live a long life. You don't want to just be there, sitting there, not able to move. You, uh, I, but you, you, yeah. I, I don't even know where I heard this. Yeah. I, I had well, I had a quote and I, it sort of stuck and resonated with me. And you want to die as old as possible, as young as you can. Yes. So you want to die at ninety, feeling like a sixty-year-old. Exactly. There's no point just going. Okay, I want to live as long as possible, so I'm not going to move my body and do anything. You want to be as 
independent as possible going forward and the changes you make now will dictate how independent you are in the future and like you said that the fact that your um people are dying because of um falls and the fact that um muscles are declining so actually another reason people end up in nursing homes is um incontinence which is a pelvic floor issue which is a muscle issue um so actually staying strong all over internally externally um is so so important for living a long and healthy life and i think i think one of the biggest roadblocks in what we're trying to achieve with people whether it be anyone 18 to 70 whoever we might train i think there's an expectation with them when they go to the gym and when they train that to get to where they want to be or to just be healthy they have to go to the gym four five six times a week train for an hour spend an hour on the treadmill when in reality as little as five minutes a day is absolutely brilliant for them especially if they don't do anything else you know Paul you couldn't yes I totally agree so I've got women who are menopausal who come to me and are anxious about starting an exercise routine why am I going to suddenly ask them to go to the gym for an hour when that could be the the thing that makes them think it's all or nothing I will set them often five to ten minutes a day like you said of strength exercises because that five to ten minutes a day is better than nothing and then if they feel like they can do more then great but that's not the strength that I then would encourage them to keep reasonably active in walk you know getting out walking whatever whatever brings them joy you know as well but the the main thing with menopausal women is doing something and there will be all those barriers there because of their menopause symptoms so we're doing a workaround and you'll do something that will get the same result I'll tell them I'm getting them through attrition yeah I mean obviously I've the amount of uh, the amount of people that sort of join the gym they'll go and do like a uh, standard gym class and then end up doing bare peas when these people should definitely not be doing bare peas is absolutely staggering and the amount of people I've seen having worked in gyms for six years the amount of people I've seen get injured just doing something utterly beyond them and just being like oh it's just because I'm unfit it's actually because you've just been neglected Yes. By yourself and this is, up until that point, and then by the person that's giving you that exercise. And this is exactly the reason I did literally day before yesterday. I did a post on um, a post on you, here's some news you don't need to lift heavy because I see people pushing this message of you have to lift heavy to get results. But if you if a body weight squat is hard, why would you then start adding weight to it? So I'm like, it really has to be where you are now. And that could be the one thing that's putting people off starting because they're like, I don't think I can lift heavy, so I can't do that. I just have to accept this. And it's like, no, you can't lift heavy yet for a start. You can't do that yet. So you have to work up to it if that's something you want to do, because actually I'm very much of keeping your muscles strong in any way that feels comfortable for you is beneficial. It doesn't have to be... um, doesn't have to be heavy back squats with a barbell um if that's not what your goals are so and you, you've got to think as well like if people went for a hike for example like i am physically fit all right i walked the dog up a slight incline yesterday and hated every minute of it right everybody has to realize that no matter where they are there's always going to be something that they perceive as hard and it doesn't mean that they have to do it just because it's hard but something as just going for a walk in the countryside for 10 minutes and then stopping stopping and having uh some well, it's usually going to be what beer or cider isn't it but just stopping at the pub with the dog and then doing another 10 minutes and then going home is so much better than not doing it and yeah i think that's that's the message that i see from you is all right well yeah your expectations are that you've got to do six hours of exercise a week when in reality if you do an hour spread over five days you're going to have a much better benefit not hit your hit life not hit how you feel you're not going to work as much and you're going to see the benefit you yes. might yeah might just enjoy it 
Exactly. And that's the thing. I'm like, and I had a lady, I so I put in strength exercises for people because I do want them to build a bit of muscle, but I'll try and do that in a way that is that feels most comfortable for them, right? But then when it comes to uh, cardiovascular health, which is also important during menopause because of the fact you're more you are more at risk of um cardiac episodes, I guess. You're you've you've got heart disease and so on. Um, which most people do during aging, it's just it happens a little bit more. But again, that could be because of um, a bit more fat around those, uh, around the belly as well. Um, but anyway, regardless, you want to do some cardiovascular exercise. Why people think that cardio has to be horrible and punishing and so on, it doesn't have to be. And I had a lady, I was writing her some cardio sessions. Actually, I might have even just told her to go for a walk. But then she told me she liked dancing. So it's like, brilliant. You love dancing, dance. If that's something you enjoy, you're more likely to do it. Brilliant. So she does her dancing as her cardio and she loves it. I've got, I've got a client, Tracy, who is my longest serving client. And she's almost family. She's like, she, she knew that I wasn't on meds as soon as she walked through the door, right? That's how well she knows me. Brilliant. And... She's, I train her and her husband, and they are impeccable human beings. They really are. They're unbelievable. And I know that if I rang them now and asked them to do something, they'll do it for me. And Tracy's just going through it. All right. And she won't mind me saying this. She's had hot flushes and things like that. And this is, I give one of the reasons I reached out to you to do this, this podcast is to expand my knowledge around menopause, but also like send the podcast to her and then she can listen as well and see your views but she doesn't and she um she's just applied for the fire service so she's just been doing running and doing bleep tests she's doing strength training with me and she's only she's five foot one i think she's five foot one she might be five foot and like 60 kilos tops she's absolutely tiny so obviously coming back to where you were where you want 1200 calories like that's kind of where she would be dieting but she also loves dancing she also does judo so for me i don't have to ask her to go and do a 10k run because she teaches judo so she's doing all these movements through demonstrations in the same way that me and you when we're training clients one-to-one are doing movements all right we might only be doing one or two reps but we're still over a five six seven hour period we'll do a workout really and she goes dancing on a Monday. She does judo on a Tuesday. She does like three strength sessions a week. Plus she's in the team, like the army reserves. So she's doing all this. And she's always like, oh, what else can I do? I was like, be patient. Yeah. Like everything you're doing is brilliant. And all of these, all of these changes that, that she's seeing, are sort of everything that you've said in, in terms of like, you are going to see these changes. And it's about leaning into them rather than, all right, well, I'm seeing this change. What do I need to change? Yeah. Yeah. And and, I, and it sounds like Chase is doing all the right things. And it is, a, there is an element of um, just wait, being patient and being, and being consistent. One thing I do notice with menopausal women, and I don't think it's that it is just for menopausal women, I think this is women who have been brought up at a stage of life where the scales meant everything. And I, I, I've been, I'm going to do a post on this soon, I think. If I was to train a man and he was starting to do some strength training and he gained weight, he'd be over the moon, over the moon. If he noticed that his body composition was changing, so he'd measured himself and he could see that he gained muscle, he'd be over the moon that he gained weight because he'd be like, it's muscle, clearly. It's obvious it's muscle. Because my waist has gone in, I look different, my clothes are bigger, but I weigh more, so therefore I've gained muscle. If a woman measures herself, takes photos, can see everything's changing, but then steps on the scales and sees that they've gone up, it's devastated. And I've got, luckily, I've got I've got a couple of clients. One of them, they they've all lost a bit of weight, but you know they they're used to dieting without doing too much exercise and just seeing. The weight come down only and um one of them is like i don't care i'm really happy because i know that my clothes are getting uh 
I know my clothes looser. I can see that I've changed shape. I'm really happy. I can see a bit of ab there, you know, as well. And the other one's like, I know, but I can't cope with the fact that the scale's changing. And I think that's something that you need to kind of try and I think more like I think men. I've, I've... Obviously, as 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 coaches, we're always going to come up against that. The skills sort of do rule some people's lives, and I've got clients who are have been on Slimming World for twenty plus years, and me helping those people, I would say, means means a lot more to me than they probably realise, because getting someone's mentality to shift away from something that's been in in like ingrained in them for such a long period of time and those very very small steps forward are like huge wins so like your client was like oh i've put muscle on like my clothes are fitting better skills have gone up i don't really care i mean that's like huge for us that's massive yeah whereas how 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 demoralizing is a coach when you see all the all the good in someone's progress and then they come to you say but yeah my weight's gone up I know it's just based on that one thing it's based on that one thing and um, what I I did the other day when this did happen is I screenshot her progress pictures and sent them side by side and said please tell me you see this and she was like I see it I do see it and then um, and you know those pictures weren't for the internet or anyone else there for her and that was why right just so that I could go uh, look and um, but the thing is I've also had it the other way around so I had a lady that came to me who was menopausal and she'd seen so much all over the internet that you have weight gain when you're menopausal. And she genuinely thought, oh, and, and the body acceptance, you know, which is absolutely fine. It's great. If people are happy to carry on, absolutely. But she she was like, oh, I just have to accept that this is me now. And she wasn't really happy with that. Um, but she thought she wouldn't be able to lose weight because she's menopausal. Anyway, she lost 10 kilos. Um and she was like, shit, I didn't know that I could do that. And so she proved herself wrong. She lost weight, but she did gain some muscle as well because she's changed shape also. And um, yeah, I think that there are those self-limiting beliefs. If you have a fat loss goal and you want to lose some weight, being menopausal doesn't mean that you can't do it. Oh, is it just, there's just got to be considerations. So just before we we finish um i would like to come back to something you mentioned earlier which which was obviously with um fat around the middle okay so we know that menopause obviously decreases estrogen it's basically just all the estrogen just goes and obviously one of the main factors of that is that you start producing osteoblasts which build the bone and then bone muller density is huge for that as we've discussed but Talk to me about sort of the hormonal profiles that a postmenopausal female might might show, and how that may increase, decrease, or change fat distribution around the body. So that's the fat distribution thing is more estrogen again. So you, the way I've heard it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this because the the science behind it, try and get it right. But your body is trying to do, compensate for that lack of estrogen by storing estrogen in fat cells and it does tend to accumulate around the middle so you might not change weight in menopause but you might change body composition so you might feel like you're skinny fat and I say that as in you'd see a lot of men of a certain age that do this where they can be and these are the men that are at most risk of having that subcutaneous fat around their you know that are more at risk of heart disease and so on that have that paunch right Women it's, kind of get start to get, organs. yeah, exactly. It's all around the organs. Women start to um, try and store estrogen and fat cells. That is how I've heard a menopause doctor describe it. So I'll go with that. And they might still have a very slim face and slim arms or whatever. And then suddenly they have this, this belly that they've never had before. Now, I will say that, yes, that's there. That's also going to be a little bit, you're putting on weight because you've lost a bit of muscle mass as well and um, you're probably not feeling strong in the core so you might change shape a bit there also women at this age um not all you know a lot of people 
have their own coping mechanisms but something I do see is that women will also go for alcohol and so on as a relax because they're stressed and they see it as a, a calm bit and that can add to that that kind of bloated middle bit you know that belly as well but it's mainly because of the change in estrogen you get this kind of distribution of fat change but also our diet changes can make a difference to that as well. Brilliant. Um, you say correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean that would I've got no idea. I'm not gonna lie. I've I've always been <laughs> I've always been under the impression that um because obviously testosterone would be the more dominant sex hormone, that they'd almost start to store fat similar to a, a, how a male would. And that's why they sort of yeah. increase visceral fat and, and things like that. But yeah, yeah. So obviously, obviously, having seen quite a number of clients and also family members go through the change and sort of that link to stress being huge, which is like something that I don't think I've I've ever really noticed before. And then that dependence on alcohol to then be a relax and and uh, oh, well, I'm stressed, so I'm going to have a glass of wine. And then that glass also, too, and then that turned into a bottle, and then yeah, yeah. But also, I and I haven't said this so much, but you know, cortisol, a chronic. So having a bit of uh, stress in your life is quite normal. High cortisol, cortisol is meant to kind of go up and down, but chronic stress can actually aggravate that weight gain cycle as well. So it's really hard for menopausal women. So they've gained this weight around the middle, which might be to do with the um, changes in estrogen that distribution around the middle but chronic stress is also going to have an impact on their weight gain as well not just because of the behavior changes like the maybe craving um less nutrient dense higher fat higher sugar foods maybe not wanting to move as much all of those things come into play but also having that higher level of cortisol um as there is a link to weight gain there as well and so if i was to say one thing for menopausal women that we have to sort our mind out first before we try and take more on. And it, the simpler you can make your life, the better. And I think that's for everyone. And I definitely know that this is true for me. But a simple life where you're not feeling like you're pulled in those directions and you can keep your stress as minimal as possible is going to help you with those menopause symptoms and help you get fitter, stronger, because you're going to have more energy to do the things that you need to do at this stage. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... Like you said, that can go for everybody. Because <laughs> I think stress stress causes us to to make poorer decisions. And obviously that in, increases sleep and then a lack of sleep and increased stress makes us make poorer decisions. So it's a vicious yeah. cycle. It's a vicious cycle. And I think we can all relate to it. When you're really tired and you're stressed, you don't have the cognitive load for anything else. So you know, working with a coach is great. And I'm not just saying that because we're coaches, but working with a coach is great. And I work with a coach for this reason, because they take a part of my load off of me. So if you can hand anything over, so for Paul, you're saying you have a coach write your exercise session for you, even though you could write them yourself. But why would you when you can just get somebody else to take that part of your thoughts away? That's one less load. And as much as you can do that around certain things the, the better really yeah yeah i think i think coach a coach who can take the load off and teach you how to do it is long term is the best long term you want to you yeah long term the aim is always that you know what you need to do now and you don't need a coach telling you yeah but, but change is hard at the beginning as in oh. it's hard to create those habits so yeah, and then the idea is it becomes second nature. Habits, habits and identity, big thing. So last thing, last question. If there's three things that you could tell or piece of advice you could give to anybody that's just about to go through menopause or is going through menopause, what are the top three things? Okay. Um, I think it would be mindset first, always mind, mindset first. So do something that brings you joy, makes you feel calm. Keep that mind calm and everything else is easier to do. So that might be meditation, journaling, anything that helps you feel some calm. The second thing I would say is keep your muscles strong. 
So eat the protein, do the strength training in whatever you can manage at the moment. But something, something that you can manage. And the third one's hard because there's so many that I would go to. But I'm going to say find joy in movement. So move your body, go out for a walk, but do something that bring, that makes you feel good, that you can enjoy. And that might be meeting a friend for a walk to a coffee shop and then go for another walk. But whatever you can do that makes you find joy. Don't focus too much on the fat loss being the goal. Focus on feeling healthier, fitter, stronger lifelong and then the fat loss will probably follow anyway yeah so basically get a dog yes i agree yeah get a dog um, actually no saying that saying that i i i did this i've got two dogs one of them's really well behaved and at a point in my life where i was really busy i got mycroft who i love but mycroft was that one more thing that one more thing that suddenly created so much stress i loved him to bits but he was that Mycroft I love love and hate him I, I love him so much because lovely but um at the point in my life where I should have been making things simpler I went let's get another dog ah uh, yeah <laughs> and I moved he... house. that was that was the one Pardon? I moved house that was the one thing that was too much for me um yeah okay, so, I mean he, yeah so if people want to reach out to you find you how do they do that I'm on Instagram at Ruth MacPT. Um, I am on Facebook. Again, it's facebook.com forward slash Ruth MacPT. Um, or on my website, which is ruthmacpt.com. And they're welcome. If they've got any questions, um, it sounds like you're in good hands with Paul as well, because he's obviously got a lot of knowledge. And it is just the barriers, right, that change. But if you've got any questions related to menopause, I'm very, very happy to do my best to answer them or signpost you to somebody that gets to help. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much. Um, I think everybody thank you, probably, it's probably been learned lovely. just as much as I have, hopefully. Um, but no. <laughs> well, thank uh, you. Thank you. And um, I will hopefully be in touch and we're going to do a, a full hour on ADHD after this. <laughs> I yeah I think that's uh, probably wise. <laughs> All right. Um thank you Ruth and I'll speak to you soon. All right.